the Jen Charlton Show on 930 WFMD and WFMD.com. Telling it like it is with your host, Jen Charlton. Good morning, everyone. Gosh, it's great to be with you. I'm all rested and perky, so it's it's wonderful to be here on a Saturday morning with you guys. And wherever you may listen to this on podcast later, uh, we're glad you are. And always feel free to share this information because we're trying to cover subjects that affect our everyday lives, regardless of where you live. And this week is a great example of where that comes into play because the Constitution, I'll say, has been under attack. Another way of putting it is being challenged at every single level on every single point. And this was a big week for the Constitution. It really was a big week. The notion that somebody could make decisions financially then get left let let off the hook for that decision in the name of compassion and fairness and equity and inclusion and all this stuff that we're dealing with around that is such a bunch of bunk now if i get a credit card and i jam it full Who's responsible for my credit card bill? I am. I made the choices. This notion of being personally responsible for the choices we make in all things is about being an adult in the room. I mean, if you're not going to choose to honor your word, honor your agreements, live a life of integrity, because that's what God wants you to do, and oh, by the way, it's a really good plan. If you're not willing to do that, then frankly, you're a person of no integrity. I mean, that's kind of harsh. But what they did this week in SCOTUS, which is the Supreme Court of the United States, is they said, no, you're responsible, adults, for your choices. Now, Somebody may say, well, but they were young when they made those choices and they racked up a bill going to Harvard or Yale or or University of Maryland, for that matter. And they feel like somebody else should foot their bill for their choices because they weren't working to work three jobs like I did and work their tail off in order to pay off their debt. I mean, what the heck, George? So. This notion that somehow they're going to buy votes. And by the way, if you are one of those people that they were trying to buy your votes, wake up. Their love for you is short-lived. Once they get the power they want, they could care less about you, your education, your success, or your bills. So it's important for us to understand what's being used and abused in this political government legal process in the name of fairness and equity and inclusion and compassion. Some of the things that happened to me in my life, which were very unpleasant, 
made me who I am today. And trying to soften the blow for our young people is creating a bunch of weak adults who act like babies. Now, that's kind of harsh. I get it. But it's time for us to grow up as a nation. It's like we're going through this rebirth. And it's not going to be tolerated anymore for people to be crying little babies. We need you to stand up for what's right beyond your own fence posts. Because if all you care about is your little backyard, equity and inclusion is a bunch of bunk. In other words, it serves no purpose if it's only about you anyway. Now, I know I'm preaching to the choir because I've got my people and you all agree with me, right? But to the extent that we can have this conversation beyond our community of people who think like we do, we need to start having those tough conversations and growing people up in their maturity around being a free nation. Because it's not fair for Asian students who have excelled and worked hard and paid their pay the their dues to not have the same opportunity as me as a white woman or frankly a black male or a, 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 a black female no equal is equal period it's not complicated don't complicate it And what came out of this was that the black community is actually giving far more advantage. Now, unfortunately, I couldn't have somebody on with me today who could speak to that, but we will next week. I'm going to have Bernie Flowers on, who's who's running for Congress. He's an African-American black male. Let's just call him a black gentleman who will be on with us. I don't know if he's from Africa. I have no idea. But the point is, we're going to have him on next week, and we're going to talk about this because... I think it diminishes people. I think it diminishes people to say, I need to give you a little hand, little girl or a little boy, because you're weak. You can't handle this. So I'm going to give you a little opportunity, a little advantage. And then you put them in the arena with people who have who've worked, you know, six times harder, maybe have a different intellect or skill set and they can't compete. They can't hang. They can't keep up. What are you doing? You're further diminishing them. That doesn't serve them. You know, success, and I've done a lot of conversations on success over the years. I've caused it. I've made it. I've, I've read about it. I've interviewed them. I've done that. And one thing we know is when you're passionate about something, you'll be successful. If you stick with it. I wasn't the best vocalist in the world, but I stuck with it. I vocalized three hours a day. I got really, really, really good because I have a passion for music. So if somebody has a passion for science, which is not my thing, they're going to excel at it. So the point is right now, this is not about putting people, setting people up for failure. It's about setting them up for success, tapping into their skill sets, their strengths, their God-given abilities and their passion and having them win. Not because you think they ought to go to Harvard. How arrogant is that? And it's not compassionate. It's incredibly out of touch with who human beings are and how great they are individually. And you're 
teaching them to be one collective blob as opposed to an individual with greatness within them. On that note, we're going to take a quick break, and I'm going to bring back my guest, Chris Heiser, who's running for Congress in Maryland's 6th Congressional District, who is a former law enforcement officer and we are and a state trooper, and we are going to talk about integrity in government. We'll be right back. Show your patriotism this 4th of July with a flag from the United States Flag Service. They offer premium, high-quality flags that are made in the USA. Whether it's the grand old flag, your favorite military flag, or a historical flag, celebrate your freedom with the flag from the United States Flag Service. Go to usflagservice.com, that's usflagservice.com, to see their selection of available flags. And then call 1-800-USA-FLAG to purchase your flag today. USA Flag Service, fly your flag for freedom. When was the last time you had freshly made ice cream or candy? Sweeties on the Creek offers a wide selection of fresh, creamy ice cream made with natural flavors. Stop in for a new fun flavor or a classic yummy favorite perched on a freshly made waffle cone. Just in, Sweeties has a huge assortment of candy, including freshly made in-store delicious chocolates. Your young ones will love all the plush toys and fun gifts, too. Sweeties on the Creek, just up from Market Street. We're scooping now. Past editions of this program are available in the audio vault at WFMD.com, a service of Holtzapel Heating and Air Conditioning. Good morning. Welcome back. This is Jen, and I have with me today Chris Heiser. And I asked Chris to come in today because there's been so much going on that frankly impacts the rule of law, how it's made and how it's implemented or upheld. And there are things going on. I'm going to sidestep for a second from my opening and talk about the gun laws in Maryland because that's a great example of throwing all this stuff out there knowing, knowing you're abusing the Constitution. Because shall not carry is super duper uber clear. There's no caveats. There's no, well, if you have this size or this mechanism or this many rounds or that, you know, none of that's in there. Because shall not carry, shall not be infringed and shall carry is about you having the right to defend yourself without any constraints. So... This, this, I, this notion of attacking our Constitution, they've done it in Maryland's legislature, knowing they're going to be filed suit against, which was done immediately. And I want to give a shout out to Maryland Shall Issue, MSI, because if you, if you have a passion about this issue or if you have a passion about your freedom and your right to protect your, you and your family, regardless, you need to support Maryland Shall Issue. Okay, because they're fighting this. So... The point is, our constitutional rights are endowed by our creator. Not by a bunch of talking heads in Annapolis or any of the other state capitals. And they have a lot of nerve to think that they can continue to push it. But here's what they do. They do it knowing they're going to get constitutionally pushed. They know they've broken the constitutional mandates. And they're going to do it anyway because it buys them two years. And oh, by the way, they're working through a legislative legal system that has been tainted and abused and corrupted. So, Chris, 
welcome to the show. And this is kind of intense for me because I feel so strongly that we are who we are because of our founding documents and and our foundational documents, the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, the Bill of Rights. These things are unmessable with, but they're messing with them. So before we get into who you are and what you do and why, why do you feel about that? How do you feel as a, a candidate for Congress? Thank you, Jan, for having me this morning. Um, being a retired Maryland State Trooper gives me pause and to think about the gun control laws that we have out there. Currently, there's over 20,000 gun controlled laws and ordinances on the book. And every time something else comes up, they want to in enact another law, which is wrong. We have the Constitution. It's set forth. It's not perfect, but it's open for interpretation to some degree. And the Supreme Court is the final decision on that. And they've keep Coming back with the same thing, we have the right to carry. It doesn't say I have to have a shotgun like Joe Biden says, you know, this is just a shotgun. I can carry whatever I want to carry. That's that's what the Constitution says. There are no bounds like you had said in there on the, uh, the limits of it. So I feel very passionate and strong about uh, the Second Amendment. Uh, we don't need more laws. We need to enforce what we do have out there. And we need to... We can't concentrate it just when there's a shooting. We just got to realize it on a daily basis that this is the Constitution and this is what it affords us. So you talk about the enforcement, and yet I think as law enforcement officers, and I'd like your opinion and, and maybe you can enlighten me, it seems like there are times when you are not allowed to enforce the law as it's intended. Is that ever the case? I mean, the laws may exist, but you talk about enforcing the laws that are on the books. Are you all able to do that? And maybe you're not speaking as a state trooper anymore because you're retired, but the point is, as a law enforcement body, mm -hmm. are they really empowered to force enforce the laws? Sounds like to me with, you know, defund the police, they're not. Yes, we are. We're, we're, we're the middleman from the legislation to the courts. So technically, we are held to enforcing what's on the books, not what the prosecutor says. It's up to the prosecutor. When I make the arrest or I made the arrest, I made a good arrest. If the prosecutor wants to prosecute it, it's up to him. It's out of my hands. I'm only in enforcing the law. There is no gray area when I get out there and read the, read the law. I have to enforce it accordingly, whether it, the legislation has an incorrect spelling, the way that they're laying it out, or the prosecution has an incorrect interpretation of it, that's neither here nor there, and that's where law enforcement gets pulled into it. We walk that thin line of enforcing the law, not legislating or not adjudicating it, and that's where we get pulled into it, and both sides dump on us, the law enforcement, when they get it wrong and they want a scapegoat. So I'm thinking back to New York, I believe it was New York, where they were dumping urine on the police officers. They were w throwing water and gook on them and disrespecting them. How, and I'm sure that happens all over the country. I mean, if you look at BLM, they were one massive blob of dis, that's my new word, of disrespect toward law enforcement. They thumbed their nose at you guys. So what do you say about that? I mean, what about this BLM and Antifa? How are they allowed to operate? I mean, President Trump, I believe, deemed BLM or Antifa uh, a terrorist organ, a, a national, you know, in terms of inside U.S. terrorist organization. So what are your thoughts? They were then and they are still now. 
terrorist organizations. They come out prepared to fight. They don't come out to prepare, prepared to talk or to listen. Their main objective is to fight. And going back on to the dumping stuff on police officers, there's no difference if I were to do a traffic stop and I walked up to the car and as soon as you rolled down the window, I threw a cup of coffee into your person's face to, just, you know, to, to humiliate them for what they just did. Okay, it's just coffee. What if it's not hot? What if it's just cold coffee and I throw in their face? And that's all they get out of it. Will I hear anything of it? Yes, I will. It'll be an assault, and it'll be unprofessional uh, from me. So there's a level of professionalism that should be carried across, and there's a six-letter word that I constantly quote every time these police have an incident, and it's comply. All you have to do is comply. You comply. You're over in you know, two, three minutes with the stop. You're moving on. You're alive. You can go on. You can uh, uh, have the case adjudicated. But that is pure and simple assault. I don't care if it's water. I don't care if you're throwing a bag of feathers on somebody. It's still an assault. You wouldn't like it if it was done to you. Don't do it to somebody else. And that's what we're taught with the Maryland State Police is to always treat somebody as if they're a member of your family. And once the thing starts to escalate, then you, you use the amount of force needed to control the situation but not overstep the bounds. Okay, let's talk about the young man who just got adjudicated uh, on the, I think it was a subway in New York, Daniel Perry. Maybe Perry. I got that mm-hmm. name right. And he used what he felt as a civilian was necessary because he, in that moment, felt this individual was a danger to himself or others. And, you know, I can get that. I've ridden plenty of uh, subways in New York. And um, if you're down underground and somebody's going berserk, it's uncomfortable. I mean, it's a little weird. You're like, okay, what's going to happen next? You definitely get on your guard and it can be a little bit traumatic. I'll just say it that way. So here's this guy. Now, I believe he was in his past was military so he's trained to identify a threat right so he identified a threat i think this is where we need to trust people in their training and uh you know if a nurse came across somebody who is slumped over on the ground clutching their heart the nurse would know that this was a medical event that they needed to step in you train people in their levels of expertise and then you trust the training. Mm-hmm. So what do you think about this? Because I believe he was, I, I don't, I wasn't going to cover that today, but it came up. Uh, I believe he was found guilty. So w- what is the situation in, in a situation like that with a civilian? He is trained military to protect um, citizens from foreign and domestic threats. He has ridden the subway before. He's seen this behavior escalate to where actual physical violence started. So he's seen that. He's first-hand knowledge. He's not some farm boy just coming in there and just saw somebody acting crazy, and he grabs him and chokes him out. He saw this behavior. He saw it escalating. He saw the people on the train, the subway, getting agitated by this gentleman. And the gentleman was uh, feeding off of that fear. The more that they showed the fear, the more that he became over, you know, outwardly uh, yelling and getting up in people's faces. So he stepped in and uh, he possibly saved lives or at least injury from somebody on that train. Whether or not the uh, prosecution... Who did not have that training and could not have protected themselves like he could. Exactly. He had that thought and he started going back to that basic training that he had in the military protection and the uh, the hand-to-hand combat on how to control somebody. He just didn't walk up and just take the guy down. 
I don't know what the autopsy, you know, um, determined if the gentleman had drugs or whatever it is, and that had any type of cause. They're, they're still waiting to get that information. The autopsy is is part of the next review. So and, and that's key. I think that will be really telling. We need to get all the facts. I don't look at a case and go, oh, it's law enforcement. They're right 100 percent of the time, or it, they're a thug, so they're guilty all the time. I get a lot of friends that want to confront me on this and ask me, why do cops kill people? It's like, well, let's get all the facts in. Let me see all the facts, and at the end of the day, when I have all the facts, I want to make a ruling on it then at that time. And then it's not up to me. It's up to the, the jury or the peers. So at the end of the day, I can have my own opinion, but if I'm not on that jury, I'm not going to have the final say. So you can only lay out the facts, not what a eyewitness says and not what somebody says, you know, an interpretation has the time to sit back and say, well, in this situation, and they go in for 15 minutes to describe what they would have done, and you're dead. Two seconds, you're done. So I want to talk about that from the standpoint of resisting authority. I think that human beings who are not um, level-headed, centered, I don't know, right, right, in right mind and spirit, challenge authority. Mm-hmm. Um, they, I think this Antifa and, and uh, BLM uh, thrives on that. Mm-hmm. The notion that they could, they can instill and invigorate and excite and, uh, and, and, and motivate these young people to challenge authority in a, in a uh, physical way is uh wow i mean it's a war tactic actually is what it is and and i think we have to look at it for what it is i i had a relative who challenged authority gotten uh, gotten fights with police officers regularly he's passed now but um you know he he was on drugs he was you know he was a mess so that you know, you in other words, there is this ele- elevation in society, this this level in society where it's okay in their mind to challenge authority with disrespect. I challenge authority all the time, but I do, you know, with respect. If I if I'm uh, speaking with an officer, I would never challenge their authority. So. Uh, in fact, I got in trouble. I, I, I'm going to tell my story. So I got, I parked in a fire lane, just zipped in, got the ticket. Okay. State trooper pull, comes up and says, ma'am, you know, you know, and, and I said, I did it. I'm, I'm wrong. He said, well, you can take it to court. I said, I'm not going to do that. I broke the law. I wasn't supposed to do that. I'm in trouble. I'll pay the ticket. You know, we just got to own our crap, you know? And so this notion that we are infallible and we have this right to to push back against an authority figure that's saying, look, these are the rules of the road. This is how we live in society. You need to follow the rules. If you don't follow the rules, there's a consequence. Capiche? You know, it's not complicated. So I want to take a break shortly and I want I want us to come back and talk about integrity in government because as a, a, a congressman, if you are so fortunate to to get that opportunity um we need people there who are one going to tell the truth and i want to say that uh representative jamie raskin has knowingly and been caught lied in congress so has representative adam schiff and our own i'm going to call them rhinos i don't really like the name but it fits 20 of them did not vote to sanction or punish Schiff. 
our own Republicans. If they can't get integrity right, get them the hell out of Congress. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Free Talk, 930 WFMD. Welcome back. This is Jen, and it is great to have you all with us. And I have with me today Chris Heiser, who is a a retired state trooper and law enforcement officer. And he has traveled the world doing some of this work and um, is running for Congress. Chris, I want to ask you about integrity in government because it's so lacking. I mean, when you look at Adam Schiff, Jamie Raskin, these are people who have knowingly lied. I mean, it's so atrocious to me. And the fact that they get away with it is stunning. Like, if you are not the example of setting laws and following them and living a a life of honor and truth and integrity in Congress, we're doomed. I mean, there's no way society will get it right under that leadership, because I'm a firm believer that leadership sets the tone. Mm -hmm. So how can they set the tone of law and order and decency and integrity and, and, and respect? I mean, how disrespectful to their fellow representatives that they're lying, let alone to me. And, well, by the way, one last thing, and then I'll go on. Um, I've got somebody running down in West Virginia we're going to support. We have to support America First candidates across the country, regardless of where they are, because their vote affects us. So Adam Schiff, Jamie Raskin, uh, they affect us. So regardless of whether you live in their district, you need to take an interest in taking them out of that district and representing, you know, maybe their their local uh, dog catcher as opposed to we the people. So tell us about your thoughts about that, Chris, because that's got to rub you the wrong way as a law enforcement officer. It does. Seeing them, if I were to be called before Congress and I lied, I would be put in jail. There was so much horrible stuff to be imposed on me. They're before Congress because they are Congress. You're sitting in there. You're, I don't care if you're chair of the committee or if you're you know, sitting in front of test. You're before Congress. You are part of Congress. And if you testify to the point or you state facts that are untrue and it's come to find out, first off, they need to censure you to shut you up at that point. You, need, you don't need any more input anywhere along the line. And then you need to be tried for lying before Congress. I don't care if you're a member of the body. You are lying before that. And it's a shame uh, what they've gone through. They cost a, uh, cost a country with $30 billion, or million, sorry, um, $30 million. And they oh, I wanted, think that's a low number, too. Yeah, I think so, yeah. too. Yeah. So they want to find him that amount. I think he should be liable for that amount of money. I, I think he should be liable for the full amount. He led this on, said he had the evidence. It wasn't there. He promoted it, and at the end of the day, he, came, he didn't present anything. He lied before Congress, so he should be held accountable. It, it's a sham. He's a sham. It's a shame he's still in Congress and the guy's got to go. And, you know, when I look at, you know, people like Mitch McConnell, which is a whole nother show. I mean, I have a whole thing called Ditch Mitch. Hashtag Ditch Mitch. Because we don't need people like that who are not going to stand up against the nonsense and hold people to account for doing the right thing, saying the right thing, and being a man or woman of integrity. And we expect that. We demand that of our representatives in Congress. And if you are in any of these districts and you're still voting for these people, shame on you. So, uh I want to go to 
the FBI whistleblowers because within the Department of Justice, the FBI is housed. And I'm a big believer that the FBI should should be removed. You know, we ended up where we are, unfortunately, and it's been abused. They've they've been um, corrupted and they've been used for a political game. We need to excise FBI out of the Department of Justice and let them be a standalone agency if indeed they can make it beyond this um, corruption that is so palpable. So the FBI whistleblowers, and I played it on a previous show, and it was epic, uh, were amazing human beings to come before Congress and stand up for the right thing against the powers that be that define their future. And in fact, some of these people, they've lost their fortunes, they lost their whatever they may have had, their mortgages are at risk, their health care is at risk, their families are at risk. It's disgusting. And these whistleblowers came out and they were heroic. What are your thoughts about that? I commend them for what they're doing. Uh, I'm glad the Whistleblower uh, Act went into effect where they could speak out. We do have a deep state. It's embedded within there. I think Ray is uh, ultimately responsible for it. Uh, he should be impeached. He be, should be taken out of that, and we should clean house. We should go in there, and if there's any type of political affiliation, when you get to that level of government, uh, I know it's hard to be uh, nonpartisan, but they have to be screened for that. Uh, I'm not saying take away their vote or whatever it is, but they need to be screened and see what their uh, allegiance is. They shouldn't be allowed to uh, promote any party in any way, shape, or form, and I could consider that um, donations in any way. Um, but if they're doing wrong, they, they need to be held accountable. I don't care who you are, if, if it's Ray or if it's down to the agent, you're doing wrong, you need to be held accountable. You are not above the law. And for them to sit on evidence, there's a thing on time, you know, we have to, when we go to prosecution, you know, a, a fair and speedy trial. It should be the same thing with the evidence that we're put, uh, putting forth. It should be brought forth so that everybody knows about it and not sitting on it because we have an election coming up. We don't need to be doing any of that. That's hiding the evidence, the, the information. We're talking now, I think, about the Hunter Biden laptop because if that had yes. come out before 2020, the, you know, President, look, I, I will always stand that President Trump won that election. I believe that there is election fraud and I believe that they, they shoved, you know, they took ballots out of boxes underneath a countertop and they shut down plumbing in order to call a you know two hour <laughs> delay to whatever the shenanigans was epic so well orchestrated and choreographed across state lines so it is a rico case it is so but that being said there are still some people who are numb to the idea that people are capable of election fraud and they think that biden actually won from his basement which is stunning but if indeed he won, which he didn't, the fact that that would have, um, I don't know, I lost my train of thought. You get my point. You know, that it, it, this uh, the elections have consequences and you have to have all the wheels in motion operating with integrity. So I want to go back to the Department of Justice. It's housed under the executive branch. It's inherently political by nature because it's housed under the executive branch. So how can law enforcement, because we see it being used against us now, be housed in a political arm of the government? So I get appointees are political appointees and therefore they have particular persuasion. I get that. 
But the way this lawfare is working now, and they are using the legal system against we the people, and they've placed prosecutors in there who are Soros-funded, which is problematic in a whole nother show. Therefore, we can't trust the legal system, nor can we really trust law enforcement and Department of Justice. I mean, where does that leave us, Chris? It's a complicated issue. Having only three branches of government, uh, to look at each branch and see which one would be best suited for the FBI, executive, I agree with you, not being there. Uh, I've heard discussion under under the SCOTUS to the degree to where they're, because it's constitutional, they're supporting the Constitution. That would make sense to me. So I've heard that, and I do support the judicial side of it. The executive branch, because he has the ability to issue an executive order and change things on the fly without getting Congress's approval, we need oversight. And I think the judicial branch is more stable and more common sense. These people are more refined, I think, to some degree. They actually sit down and they give it uh, some thought, and they have a lot of people working on it. We just don't have one president that says, okay, here's an executive order. I'm going to sign off on it and everything you know, fall in line. You're skirting Congress. So I think the judicial branch would be a better branch for the FBI uh, and law enforcement itself. You know, I've been in a situation when I was working where I was a political appointee in, you know, in the Hogan administration by a secretary, but I was uh, reporting to an uber, you know, Democrat. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and I had several bosses, but it was complicated. But, you know, the point being, we have to weigh, again, that's where integrity comes in. Because now you have to weigh what's the right thing to do, not what's politically expedient or demanded. Um, anyway, I think it, it is a complicated issue, but we have to keep looking at it and we have to find a solution. You know, back to the to the whistleblower's if it were not for some of these whistleblowers, and now there's one that's come out about out of the IRS about Hunter Biden. Um, thank God these people have the courage to come out and speak up. One of the areas, and we're not going to cover it today, but one of the areas I think we've been lacking whistleblowers is in the medical profession. The doctors and the nurses who are c- complicit and complying with some of these mandates that they knew were wrong uh, and they didn't speak up for fear of their their employment or job or careers and so forth, um, or peer pressure, I think was a big one. Uh, you know, they unfortunately were shut down and, and chose not to speak up. That still needs to come out. There's a lot to be known uh, about what went on in the medical uh, profession during COVID. But back to this. So you're running for Congress. And I want to ask you uh, before and when we come back from the break, I want you to kind of expound on it. Why do you think Congress has such a low approval rating? And what would you do to fix it? Okay, so think about that. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Show your patriotism this 4th of July with a flag from the United States Flag Service. They offer premium, high-quality flags that are made in the USA. Whether it's the grand old flag, your favorite military flag, or a historical flag, celebrate your freedom with the flag from the United States Flag Service. 
Go to usflagservice.com. That's usflagservice.com to see their selection of available flags. And then call 1-800-USA-FLAG to purchase your flag today. USA Flag Service. Fly your flag for freedom. Welcome back. Okay, so Chris, back to this. So Congress has a low approval rating. You're running for Congress. You bring integrity to the body and the law enforcement background, which I think is really important. There was another um, Sheriff Nels is a representative now out of Texas, and I listened to him at the J6 hearing, and he had a great perspective because he has been a sheriff and served uh, several terms. So I think it's important to have law enforcement in the body uh, holding these people to account. What are your thoughts about how do they do a better job of representing us? Because if they have such a low approval rating, first of all, why are they getting reelected? I mean, that's the first question, unless, of course, they're cheating. They need to stay in touch with the constituency. Uh, I've seen over the, the years, the, the election year, you see them out everywhere. They want to talk to you. You want to show up at your house, come door knocking, and they want to hear from you at that point. But then once you get the get in there and get sworn in, the next year they just coast. They forget about the con- constituency. And then, it, then they everything's about me and what I want rather than what my constituents want. I think it's important to stay in connection with your constituents. When there are people running, you don't have to align yourself with them. Other people are running for different offices. You can go out and visit with them. You can go out and visit when they have functions. But today, no politician, no sitting politician will come out with a candidate because they're afraid something's going to happen and they're going to be associated with. If it does, you can distance yourself from that point. But you've got to stay in touch with the constituency. You've got to have morals and values. You've got to be able to... I've always been taught as a chaplain. I'm also a chaplain. They said, you've got to have the biggest set of ears that a person has. You've got to be able to listen. Sit there and listen. Then you've got to be able to think with your heart, and then you got to respond with compassion. But when too many, uh, too often, we see these congressmen get in, or senators get in there, either one, and they use the floor as a circus. They bring illegal immigrants into the chamber. They do these sit there and read books that criticize a person who's sitting there talking, and they had the camera zoom in on these things like Katie Porter did. It's despicable. They should be censured from that point forward. If you can't respect that body that you're in and you're representing your constituency, then leave. That's all it is. And I want to be in uh, contact with my constituency. I don't care if the bill is written by a Democrat or a Republican. If it benefits the 6th District first, I want to go for it. I want to bring money into Garrett County and Allegheny County and Washington County to expand 81. I want to look at things that's going to help my community grow. Because at the end of the day, if I only last two, two years into Congress and I've helped those areas grow, I can walk, around, walk away proud and you know hold my head high. But the, when they get in there, it turns instead of us – it turns to me, and that's the problem. We have to keep focusing on us. What do you think about term limits? I'm all for it. I, in my platform, I do have term limits. It's not a, uh, what the term limit people have out there with the, the three terms for congressman and two terms for senator. I want to keep it equal. That's 12 years, so that would be six terms for a congressman, uh, two terms for a senator. But I think there's a time. There's a time in your life where you have to say, I'm done. And you, if you can't say it, then the law has to say it. That, and I'm, my, and my proposal is 72. If you're not in office and elected on your 72nd birthday, it's time for you to take a break. You're, you're done. And that's for all offices. Why do you think age matters? I mean, we're living longer. We're, we're you know, we take uh, pills for brain focus. I mean, you know, all of those things. Why do you think 72? 
Um, 72, you're looking at uh, at least three generations that are under you right now. Um, I'm looking at it right now. I'm all, I'll be 60 next year, and I'm seeing the millennials. They're my kids, my grandkids coming up into, into things. They have a different way of thinking. So they have a different way of moving things forward. So it's we, we have to move with time, and we have to be able to progress our country. We can't be stalled. I'm stalled in the 1980s. I have to admit it. My music preferences is 1980s. If something comes out today, I'm stalled in the 1980s. So when you get up to that 70 years old, you're stalled three generations back. So are you holding the country back at that point? Let's get somebody in there, 30, 35, 40, or whatever it is, and start bringing in the new ideas. Well, the one thing I would challenge you on that is that that's what great leadership is. Great leadership is you bring in people who fill in your blanks. And if you're somebody who's in the 70s, you bring certain experience, wisdom, Mm -hmm. um, expertise that the young ones don't have yet, and yet they bring a perspective. So I think there's a blend that is necessary in uh, in all things that allows us to learn from one another in different generations. There's a there's a whole belief in human services where they have inter intergenerational uh, coexisting, whether it's in housing or it's in daycare kind of things, where you're bringing different generations together because they can. Um, help and feed one another um but i digress so back to to the uh, the notion of congress how will you hold your comrades accountable if indeed they break their integrity or they lie in congress i will stand up and i will uh state the facts and i will push for it on the floor to get censured and uh, eliminate them like george santos I don't care he's a Republican. He lied to get elected. He admitted to it. That should be a termination right then and there. You lied to get there. You need to be terminated. Well, in, 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 uh, in, you're the expert, so I'm going to ask you, isn't that fraud? Isn't that it fraud is. on the people? I mean, fraud on the people eviscerates everything. So why in the hell is he still there at all? If that was a fraudulent and you could say <laughs> all politicians are frauds, but uh, that I'm not being very nice. But but you know they say what you want to hear, mm-hmm. and then they do what the hell they want. So it doesn't matter whether or not what they've said is accurate, because they somehow get away with it. I think that's where we have to turn the tables on the politicians and say you are we the people fire you midterm mid-cycle for what you did against us, Santos, I agree with you, who cares what party he's in? It's irrelevant. He lied. He cheated. He stole virtually the election by virtue of the fact that he did those things. So out he goes. He should be replaced. He, he defrauded the people. Is there some mechanism for doing that? The law, the basic law says you lie and you, you held accountable. The problem is people, once they get into Congress and into Senate, they worry they're going to fall in that situation themselves. So now they don't want to cripple themselves. If I create this law or I say this about, you know, XYZ senator or whatever it is, and I do something, I don't want to be held against me. That's why they don't have the term limits because they're afraid it's going to be opposed upon them. They're afraid to do it because they know sooner or later they're going to get tripped up and they're going to be held accountable and they don't want to be held accountable for something they you know, initiated because then it's going to come back and say, "Oh, well, hey, you you knew better," but then it's you disgusting. Wanted, it is. It's it's just it blows my mind on how much 
uh, hypocrisy there is. They want to hold everybody else, else accountable, but they don't want to take the step forward and, and initiate the legislation. So here's the thing. We, the people, are left to do that. It's up to us. It's up to us to restore integrity in government. Mm-hmm. Because they're not going to do it, folks. They're just not. Now, what are our remedies to ensure that we take this on? I mean, that, I, I don't have the answer, but I do think we need to be asking these questions and having these conversations. And we need to be looking at, you know, there's a point at which, and I don't have it here, where, and I believe it's in the Declaration of Independence, where it says, if the government so no longer represents the people we have a right for basically a do-over and we get to say not they get to say we get to say because we are the government we are the you get to be there in congress chris because we say so as long as we're having fair elections Mm -hmm. if we're not then we're a uh a state of of corruption and and we really are a third world nation pretending to be grown up or something so um give us your platform you mentioned a couple things so tell us what do you stand for as a as a, a man to represent we the people I have to have an open mind. I have to, like I said before, go back to my constituency and ask them what they want. And we can move forward from that. You have to stand by we, the people, as you stated, and not me, the person. We have to be able to enact these laws and legislation and be held accountable ourselves, and we have to get the vote out. Plain and simple. You want to make a change. Our tool for right now, you can't just declare civil war. You have to go out and vote. If you're tired of what's going in there, vote them out. You know, I'm all for voter integrity. I'm, you know, everybody has IDs. I've seen it on COVID and after COVID. People have IDs. Why can't you show it uh, to, uh, to vote? But I can have to show it to walk into a restaurant. I have to show a card and I have to show ID to get that card. Why can't you show it up and vote? I'm all for the single day voting. But until we can get back to that, we have to utilize uh, the what we do have it, the mail-in ballots, if we're you know afforded that. Or I'm, I'm completely 100% opposed to the uh, email voting. That is just cr- the craziest thought out there in my mind. I, I can't wrap my mind around that. But we have to vote. Don't sit on your butt. Get out there and vote. And if they're your candidate or your candidate, uh, constituent or not constituent you're a sitting congressman or senator is doing something vote them out okay so i want to take a moment um to say on that note i want to thank you for running it takes courage it takes guts it takes money how do people support you uh, I'm getting a lot of verbal right now. The economy is really bad, and I understand no, it. No, Chris, this is where you say. Oh, how do they? You su- can send money to. <laughs> oh, they can send money to Chris Heiser for Congress dot com. Um, uh, we have an open donation there, so. and it's H Y S E R, guys. Yes, Chris, Chris Heiser. Go ahead. Chris Heiser for Congress, all one word, dot com. There is a donation tab in my platforms on there. Uh, what I'm running on and each and every one of them, when I get through the primaries, not if, I'm going to have a bill writer write up each and every one of them. So I submit those forms of legislation the very first day I walk into Congress. Awesome. Very good. I want to thank U.S. Flag Service for coming on as a new sponsor for us. Hugh Warner, you're a doll. And, and we are 
committed that everybody's flying a flag. So reach out to me at Jennifer at CharltonCommunications.com if you have an interest or you can hear the ad and go on the podcast, share the information. Let's support everybody flying a flag to show our patriotism. So thanks again to U.S. Flag Service, to Sweeties on the Creek. We're scooping now. Thank you so much for all your support. I want to read something as we go out from the Declaration of Independence. When in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and of nature's God entitle them, a decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to the separation. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed, that whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it, and to institute new government, laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. Prudence indeed will dictate that governance long established should not be changed for light and transient causes. Have a great week.